Thank you for coming to the podcast. It's Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it is brought to you by the best mouth guard ever invented for high-impact sports and high-impact activities. I'm talking about Sisu mouth guards. You can talk, you can breathe, you can drink, all with the mouth guard in your mouth. This ain't your grandmama's mouth guard. This is a new generation of mouth guards. Head on over to SISUGuard.com. Tell them Top Turtle sent you. You're going to like the way we mouth guard. I guarantee it. And Sisu Mouth Guards brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast with Jimmy Manawa. And it starts right now. We are rolling. I am David Tremonti, joined as always by my co-host Daniel Gumby Vreeland. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast, part of FlowCombat.com. Gumby, it's our second episode on Flow. So happy we got a chance to partner up with them. Last week, we had a nice show. This week, we have an even better show because we're talking to Jimmy Manoa and we're going through the news of the day. If you're unfamiliar with the podcast, first time listener, let me give you the quick snapshot of what we're all about. Two fight fans talking fights, not here to waste your time, not here to lollygag and LOL and talk about our personal lives. No, it's nothing but the fight business here. So Gumby, with that said, let's get right into it. Go through the news of the day. How do you feel about that? I feel good. Let's do it. All right, here we go. So, Ally Aquinta has been the most unhappy camper at Camp UFC, and the past week has led to some hilarity. He goes on Ariel Hawani's show. He talks about how unhappy he is, how he might not get back into the octagon. I think we went over that last week. But since that time, what's happened is the UFC wished Al a happy birthday on Twitter, <laughs> which led to a what num- an olive branch, <laughs> which led to a number of funny responses from the Twitter universe. But then you also had Mike Perry and Kevin Lee talking a little shit to Ally. Quinta basically saying, Al, be happy with what you have. Even Michael Bisping chipped in and said, it's not really a good thing to piss off your employer. And he did bring up a good point, I thought, which was that, yeah, the money's not good right now. But once you get to that elite status or that title challenger status or that title or that title champion status, you do make a shit ton more money than you would in real estate. Iaquinta fired back, at least at Mike Perry and Kevin Lee. Uh, he was pretty funny. He said uh, that they come from impoverished uh, parts of the country, Flint and uh, Detroit, Detroit, and yeah. uh, that, you know, I guess Long Island, uh, higher per capita income. So he's shooting for the stars. Um, and then you also had him going on Twitter saying Dana White's been impeached and he's firing Sage Northcutt like he's the man running the show. Bottom line, what do you make of this Ally Aquinta versus the UFC feud? I, I I understand his frustration, right? Like, you know, he's he's definitely been underpaid. He's been a top 15 guy, well, I, I mean, at least for two years. He hasn't fought in two years, but he was still, like, considered a top 15 guy. So there's got to be some frustration there. I just think he could voice that frustration in a way that would actually get him paid. You know what I mean? Instead of kind of biting the hand that Yeah, I mean, him. like... Tweeting fuck you UFC is not going to get anybody any extra cash. You know what I mean? Like there have been fighters who voiced their displeasure, but have done so in a way that like sort of rallied the troops. You know, you think about like Mark Hunt being really pissed off about uh, all the people he's fighting testing positive for steroids. And he just like, you know, he went out and proposed something like I should be getting some of their purse if that's the case or I should be doing this. And, and the fans sort of rallied behind him. Now, the fans already rallied behind Mark Hunt much better than Ally Aquinta. But you could also take a book out of Kevin Lee, a guy trash-talking him right now. Kevin Lee, unhappy about his pay, unhappy about, you know, Sage Northcutt getting better 
you know, fight bookings than him. He just starts calling people out and promoting his fights. Ally Aquinta isn't even promoting his fights. He's just cussing at his boss. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. not going to get you anywhere in any business. It's not going to get you more money. I, I, I think I understand his frustration. I just think he's handling it completely the wrong way. Yeah, I mean, I think there is a playbook, though, the Diaz playbook. And then I think it's it's semi Conor McGregor, but not, you know, McGregor never McGregor rails against the system and the man. But you're right. He never but, but just outright promotion, though. Yeah. And he never just outright says, you know, fuck you and and X, Y, Z. But I do think there is some intrinsic value here that Iaquinta is getting his name out there. It might not be the most positive way to do it. He has two fights left on his contract. Worth noting, he's on a five fight win streak. He's knocked out four of the last five guys he's faced. And he got a split decision win over Jorge Masvidal, who's, you know, in a title elimination fight i guess you could say against maya 170 um certainly i think he should be paid more is this the best way for him to go about doing it probably not i mean here's the beautiful thing in the era of bellator there is an open free market and that determines what you are worth so you know whether will he ever get to that free market he has two more fights yeah but he's on two he's got two more fights it just took him two years to take one fight well he could do two more fights this calendar year he could fight in the fall he could fight in december and come 2018 january he could talk go talk to bellator and see what his real worth is that's true uh speaking of bellator your guy ryan bader said he will make three to four times more money in sponsorship and bellator obviously not a shock when you're locked in to splitting sponsorship uh in the reebok deal with the ufc but you know what do you make of that and and is this uh you know is this a great thing for bader or is it it, i think it's a good thing for bader in that he's going to get four times more i don't know how sustainable that is though right because like he hangs out in Bellator. Say he hangs out in Bellator for like four years. Mm-hmm. You know, in four years, is he still going to be getting four times as much? Because uh, I, I don't think that that he will continue to get more and more name value. I think right now he's at the peak of his name value coming from the UFC. I mean, not that Phil Davis was ever like you know a popular name in the UFC, but think about how little you hear his name now. Mm-hmm. So, like, you've got to imagine that that's going to be on a slow decline. So, or at least I would imagine. I mean, I still think it'll be more than Reebok, but then again, at the end, is the difference between, you know, a top-of-the-line Bellator fighter versus a top-of-the-line UFC fighter more than whatever that difference is. I, I see where you're going with your math, and it is worth noting that Benson Henderson, for his first fight in Bellator, actually couldn't even get sponsors uh, which goes to show you, you know, just name value of being on Bellator. Now, that being said, I think uh, Benson was really the first huge name free agent of 2016. Was it that, 2016? That big change. That, over, like that chunk of change. It might have been the beginning or the end of 15, but it, it was like that bottom big line. Over. It went. I'm almost positive it went Benson to then Rory. And now you have Larkin and Bader. They're coming over in waves. Yeah. So if Bellator is on the upswing and they do well with the pay-per-view and they're on Spike, although Spike is losing X amount of homes in uh, cable systems across America, bottom line is, I see where you're going with that. If Bellator is on the rise, it certainly could be a great move, but you're right. His name value in a household name, uh, as someone everyone knows, yeah, it's probably it, it, only going to go down from yeah, there. Yeah, and the fact, too, that think about, so that that's going to be a pay-per-view, and yeah, maybe not a lot of people will buy it. 
He didn't even get put on the pay per view card. Right. I mean, he's on the Spike TV card, which might be better for views. That's in actually the end. Be- well. That's actually better for views and for sponsors, I would think. But but you would imagine. Oh, I don't even know if it's better for sponsors because, like, when he goes to negotiate that in the future, they're like, "Oh, you weren't even on pay per view." I mean, maybe he was seen by more eyes. He'll be like, seen by more eyes. But will they use that as a negotiation tactic to to knock the number down? Who knows? All right. Well, something to keep an eye on, and obviously, you know, Scott Coker's gone on record as saying the Reebok deal has been very good for us because it's very attractive for fighters to come over and feel like they're uncapped on their sponsorship yeah. deals. Um, Jacare uh, Salza recently underwent uh, pectoral surgery, pectoral tear. He's going to be out for a while. You know, you don't just bounce back from a pec tear. That's a major muscle group. Kind of opens up the middleweight division. He just lost to Whitaker, obviously. But um, it, it takes one more of the big guys out it of the way. It took one more of the big guys out of the way. So if you're a Johnny Hendricks, who we spoke to last week on trying to you know climb your way up the middleweight ranks, if you're Gastelum, who just beat him, and you have to figure how many more fights does Anderson Silva really have left in him, mm-hmm. I think it's good for the younger guys of the of the middleweight or, division. Or, and not just the younger guys, too, because, I, I mean, like you're talking like prospects, because Jimi Hendricks is not a super young guy, right? Johnny like, Hendricks? It is, that's not what I said. Johnny, Johnny yeah. Hendricks? Johnny Hendricks. Johnny Hendricks. In uh, on his way up, he but he's like thirty something, right? I mean, we could talk about Dan Kelly being a contender pretty damn soon too. I mean, if he but he's beat, also older, if he beat Derek Brunson and he the dude's thirty nine, but it like opens up yeah. a way for those guys to get in while there's still time, you know? Because you got to imagine Dan Kelly's window not huge. Um, so yeah, it, it's interesting that it it's opening that up, but in the same time, it kind of sucks because. I mean, Jacare was so damn close to a title shot. Yeah, I mean, you never want to see an injury just sideline someone. Yeah. It's just, you know, that it just, I guess the point I was making was the middleweight division felt so stacked, you know, and then he Rock gets injured. On, Rock holds on some weird layoff where he's doesn't seem to want to fight. Right. So, uh, and we don't know, if, we don't know if Gegard's going to get re-signed. So, I don't know. It's still a strong division, but it just with him out, you have to figure for at least a year, I would think. Um, it just kind of changes the dynamic of the division. Speaking of Brazilian superstars, Vitor Belfort has been booked in his last fight, uh, at least in the UFC, and I assume he's retiring. He's going to be fighting Nate Marquardt. Does this move your needle? No, not at all. Uh, I, I think it probably moves the needle in Brazil, though. I mean, the, the fight's going to take place in Brazil, no? Yes. Yeah, so I, I mean, like... Perfect place for him to retire, if that is what he's planning on doing. I mean, he can go make an ass load of money in Bellator. Um, good place for him to retire, and I bet you tons of Brazilians buy tickets knowing that they're going to beat Vitor Belfort's last fight. Well, speaking of last fights, uh, Rousey's judo coach was on Submission Radio and just said it, the fighting is just not in her life. Uh, he didn't outright say she's retired, but he just said it would surprise him. And then you also have uh, TMZ Newsbreak. She got engaged to Travis Brown. Uh, there was a TMZ video about that last week. I love these TMZ videos that are supposed to look like they're like catching people on the fly, but it seemed pretty set up to me. <laughs> Um, what do you think? Was that Rousey's last fight when we saw her lose to Amanda Nunes? Uh, I, I had a feeling it would be if she lost anyway from there, but I don't take stock in the fact that like the her judo coach is saying now that she's taking a break. I mean, if she is getting married and that's something that's like on her mind anyway, she probably would take a little break anyway. I think the money is going to be too good at some point in time for her to come back, and I know she's on a two-fight losing streak, and I know that the stock isn't what it used to be, 
but there are still people who would buy a Ronda Rousey pay-per-view yes. in a freaking and, second, and me included. You yeah. know, like, the, If she was fighting again on pay-per-view, it's a must-see for me. And the money would be there. The one thing I would just say, as far as like being a top t- contender again, I mean, you even saw the women's division advanced so much over that year that she was gone. Amanda Nunes, when Rousey was champion, Amanda Nunes probably ranks somewhere like 8 to 10. You know, we didn't think overly highly of her. Um, she was always a hard hitter, but she's peaking now, and yeah. that's what happens. And you look at just the evolution of the sport, and, you know, a guy like Yair Rodriguez comes along and just completely, you know, redoes the game on what you think a striker looks like. I would be very scared for Rousey's chances if she takes another year off. Yeah, um, I, I think the biggest change, and you, you hit it on the head there, that the, there was all of a sudden a huge shift in, I think, both the women's divisions, to be fair. And I think that big shift came... What do you mean? There are three women's divisions. Well, yeah. <laughs> By the way, Durant and me is talking about vacating her title now, too. Which that's is just, the next thing I was <laughs> going to bring up. That's a later point. But, but stick on 135. Yeah. So 115 and 135, to me, I think have both changed immensely over the past year. You've just gotten a couple of women who are really good at sprawling and brawling or, or you know, stopping the takedown to box with, you know, uh, you know, both the Polish girls at 115, uh, Kowalkowicz and Kowalkowicz JJ, and JJ um, you know, Nunez. There's, there's just a lot of women right now who can stop the takedown and box and beat the crap out of you. And that's terrible for people like Rousey who were grapple first with almost no boxing. I do believe when history is written, we'll look back on the early days of the UFC bantamweight women's division, much like we did the Hoist Gracie era of the UFC. I think the girls are advancing at a rapid pace. It's like when the dinosaurs learned to test the fences (laughs) in Jurassic Park. I I would say it's probably more like... uh, the the early heavyweight division we're talking like uh, Andre Arlovsky, Tim Sylvia. There's like one or two people you'll look back on and be like, they're pretty damn good. But who were they fighting? Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think you're gonna feel that way about Rousey and a bunch of her opponents. You're like, well, Rousey was pretty damn good. She was probably not the best of all time, but she was pretty damn good. But who was she beating? She was beating Alexis Davis. Right. Who was she beating? She was Sarah beating McMahon. Sarah McMahon. Betch. So, Betch Correa. And you're like, well. Good wins for her, but, like, maybe not all that special. All right, so you already brought it up. This is the last uh, lightning round news bit I wanted to bring up. Jermaine Durand to me, rumors of her retiring. Her manager <laughs> then said she's not retiring, but she is de- dealing with some issues behind the scenes. Oh, how convenient, considering the next person she's supposed to face is Cyborg. Yes. This feels like a Cyborg syndrome, a Cyborg sickness. The dog ate my homework. But that being said, if she- if this girl retires, I mean, I'll just kick it to myself. Just shoot the women's featherweight division in the head. Yeah, I mean, like, again, I think I said it a couple of weeks ago. It was a division designed for Cyborg. They didn't want to hand her the title and be like, she's the champ. Because they had really no leg to fall back on saying just she was the champ outright. The only title that was ever just given like that was Jose Aldo coming over from WEC. And the dude had won like 15 in a row. Mm -hmm. So I think that. There's no leg to stand on to just hand her a title. So they wanted to set it up so that there was a blockbuster event for her to win it. And with Holly Holm not winning that title, they didn't get it. Uh-huh. I mean, Jermaine Durandamine is not going to sell a bunch of tickets, even if she's fighting Cyborg. Even if she was fighting in Brazil against Cyborg right. or Rotterdam or somewhere in the Netherlands. 
So I, I think that the UFC is kind of just dragging their feet, being like, "Shit, our plan backfired terribly." I mean, they haven't. Megan Anderson's out there. They just haven't even signed any uh, 145ers outside of. They, well, Cyborg, that's it. Yeah, it's Cyborg, and, and she's only, like, sort of under contract. Yeah, I just wish... She, I think she only has one more fight left on her contract. Yeah, I wish they just, like, went gung-ho and just signed maybe five to ten of them. You know, like, if you had ten there... Build a and, division. And we're starting to build it, I'd be interested. Um, but I think they they just don't see the talent there now that, you know, the blockbuster main event is gone. Well, I'll tell you someone who is signed to a contract in a very exciting division, uh, and that's Jimmy Manawa. And we got a chance to speak to him, and I would like to play that for you now. It is It, of course, is brought to you by our sponsor, Datsusara. Datsusara makes fight gear out of hemp hemp if you're unaware is a billion trillion infinity times stronger than cotton uh super durable antimicrobial head on over to dsgear.com check out their fight shorts made out of hemp i roll on them all the time they're my favorite pair of fight shorts if you're more a gi player you could check out their hemp geese that's Datsusara at dsgear.com. Enter in promo code TOPTURTLE, all one word, not case sensitive. Get yourself a nice little discount. Datsusara Hemp Gear brings you our interview with Jimmy Manawa. This is Daniel Gumby Reeling here with my co-host Dave Tremonti with Top Turtle MMA Podcast, now on Flow Combat, and we are talking to Jimmy Manawa. Jimmy, the rumors are flying rampant. Apparently now it is DC versus John Jones in July. Where do you stand with all this? I wanted to fight against DC, and I still want to fight against DC, but um, you know, you can't complain when if John if Jones gets to fight, he's he's the all time greatest fighter in the UFC, so you know, um, I don't really mind. If I have to knock, knock one more person out to get the fight, then um, so be it, you know. But um, I know the belt is definitely coming my way, and it's going to be this year. All right, let's say it does get announced and solidified as the rumors are pointing to Jones, D.C. Uh, who do you want to yeah. knock out? Who's next on on the list for Jimmy Manawa then? Uh, whoever. To- whoever. Whoever, whoever they, they pull out the bag, I'm ready to put work in against any of the top nine heavyweights. Any of them. They've got to be top five, though. So, you know, let's uh, let's see what the UFC come up with. And, um, you know, I'll put them on my hit list. I'll train for them at All-Star Gym. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll put in, I'll put in another, another devastating knockout on them. And, and that's certainly been the trend. Uh, theoretical situation here. So... We got uh, UFC 212 coming up right around the corner, heading down to Brazil. Uh, you know, there's been rumors that Anderson Silva looking for a fight for that one. Now, Anderson Silva hasn't been on a tear. He hasn't fought at 205 in a little while. I mean, he fought DC back at uh, UFC 200. Would you, in theory, take a fight with, say, Anderson Silva down in Brazil if that one knockout got you to the title? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Uh... Who wouldn't want to fight Anderson Silva? He's a great. He's one. He's, he's actually one of my favorite, probably my favorite fighter, and that. But um, if he has to get it, then he has to get it. You know, he's, I'm not. I'm not counting anyone out. And uh, you know, I'm. A, I'll, I'll definitely be up for that. Now, another key matchup at lightweight uh, taking place at the end of May is your friend and training partner, Alexander Gustafsson versus Glover Teixeira. Uh, I'll assume you want to avoid fighting uh, your training partner, Gustafsson, who you guys have already fought before. 
But if Glover were to win that, uh, you know, Glover's a guy, he recently was quoted as saying uh, that you weren't qualified to fight for the belt, that you haven't beat any top fighters yet. W- what do you make of that statement from him? And, and would you want to fight him if he gets past your training partner? Oh, man, 100%. All these fighters are just talking and talking. I just want to fight and knock people out. You know, I don't, I'm not into this talking and trash talking and this, that, and the other and this WWE shit, you know. I just want to fight and my, my fighting speaks for itself. I've got, I've, ne- I've been to decision once in my whole career and now I've got 17 wins and 16 knockouts. Like, how can, how can you not be qualified? I've knocked out over in St. Peru, I knocked out, uh, I wanted to fight Teixeira. Teixeira turned the fight down, so I don't know what he's talking about, so let's not even go there. My, my brother, Alexander Gustafsson's going to fucking maul him in Stockholm so he can get to the back of the line after that. You know, so, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I believe my time is now, and I believe these people know it as well. All these top light heavyweights know it as well. Absolutely. And then, you know, I'm just going down the line here. You look at another key matchup at the light heavyweight division, Misha Serkinov. Uh, he's going to be fighting Vulcan Olsdemir uh, on that same card. Maybe the winner of that is someone you could face on the way. No, it sounds like no, you have no preference. No, 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 not really. I, I, I don't want to go backwards. I want to go forwards. I need to go forwards now. You know, I wanted to go forward before with Glover Teixeira, Ryan Bader, one of these guys, but these people, these people were avoiding me. Glover Teixeira's, his last fight was someone in the top 15. I don't know where he's going with that when he struggled with someone in the top 15. So, you know, he's, he's got to get past him. Because, uh, he's got to get past uh, Alex uh, Gustafsson, and I don't think he's going to be doing that. And um, I need to be going forward. So, when these guys Vulcan and, and uh, Misha get this title contention, and then we can talk about fighting. You know, sure. So um, I believe I believe that they're good fighters. They're good fighters, and that I let them come. I don't. I want to be going forward and not backwards. I want to take it back a step. You know, you said you just want to fight, and, you know, I think that's actually something fans appreciate at at this point. I think there's a lot of fake talk out there right now in the McGregor era where people feel like they need to talk shit uh, to get what they maybe rightfully deserve. Do you feel like you need to talk shit? Like, you and DC just went back and forth on Twitter, I think it was like a week or so ago. Do you feel like you have to talk shit to get a title shot now? Um, I don't think, I don't, th- I talk facts, I don't talk shit, I, don't, I talk facts, I don't talk for talking <laughs> sake, I talk facts, I don't talk to try and get the fans and try and sell pay-per-view points and stuff like that, I'm not pay-per-view, I'm not, I ain't got pay-per-view view deals yet, so I don't need to sell my fights, my fights sell for themselves, I knock people out, I'm an exciting fighter, I don't take people down and lay on people and have the crowd booing and everything, I knock people out and get the crowd and, and the fans excited, you know, so my fighting speaks for itself, and um, DC, DC start, started to trash talk and shit like that, but he knew what was going on backstage when we met face to face, and he didn't have a lot to say, and that, so I, I don't do the talking thing, I do the fighting thing, you know. A- absolutely, so l- let's talk a little bit about that, so you said after uh, DC's win, 
you actually met him backstage. Uh, what what did you guys talk about, and what was the confrontation like? Nothing. He tried to make a joke with Usman, Kamaru Usman, who I was talking to backstage, and he was like about 10 feet away, and he asked uh, Usman to feel me and see if I felt strong. And I, I told him, why don't he come over here and feel for himself? <laughs> and that. And uh, I said, this, this isn't no... This, is, this ain't no big brother shit what he was doing with, with Andy Johnson or whatever. I don't suffer none of that. We're from London. We punch people in the face <laughs> if they disrespect us and that. So we, uh, you know, he, he, he knew I wasn't up for any of all that, all, all that smack talk. I don't do all of that smack talk. No, that, you... Uh, that, that was that. But, um, do you know what? I, I, DC's a great fighter. You know, uh, I respect him as a champion and that. But, um, you know... If we're gonna fight. We're gonna fight. There's no, there's no two ways about it. Now you were in the building in Buffalo for that fight, Johnson versus Cormier. You know, Johnson, kind of a weird game plan, as everyone's already broken down. But after the fight, he announced he was retiring in a surprise move. Uh, kind of, you know, said he doesn't want to get hit anymore, just wants a normal job. You are a former competitor with Anthony Rumble Johnson. You fought him before. Did that move surprise you that that Rumble, you know, seemingly in the prime of his career, just up and retired? Um, yeah, it was a surprise at the time, but the weeks after, I kind of found out what were the reasons why and stuff, and I respect his, uh, his decision, and now he's got much bigger things to do, and, um, you know, only, only him knows you've got to respect his decision. If he doesn't like training and he doesn't like getting punched in the face and sparring and stuff like that, then, and he's got better things to do, then it's, it's his decision, you know, and yeah. so I respect that. Yeah, absolutely, and you know that that makes a hundred percent sense. Everybody wants to make decisions for you, but only you can make that decision. So, um, when if if and when DC does square off again with John Jones, how would you expect that fight to go? Um, I think it depends what John Jones turns up, but um, I got a feeling John Jones, John Jones handled him very well last time. I don't think DC threatened. It once in, in that fight. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. so um, you know, I think, uh, I think I think maybe Jones takes it. Maybe even though he's been off for a year or two years or whatever, I think I think Jones still has all the tools in the bank to uh, to take that fight. You know, but it depends what John Jones uh, turns up. Very interesting. Now, has anyone from the UFC contacted you? What What's the next step here? Are you just is this a waiting game right now to see if that their fight gets announced? The waiting game. It's the waiting. Game. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm just wanting to see if it if the if the fight gets uh, solidified and the fight gets announced and stuff. So I'm 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 just waiting. I'm ready though. I'm ready. I'm I'm currently in, in camp with uh, Alex Gustafsson, getting ready for him to uh, to move. Um, Glover Teixeira so you know I'm, 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 I'm staying ready I'm staying fit I'm staying ready I'm on weight and everything and uh, that's it well, Jimmy, uh, we wish you the best of luck in getting what you want. Uh, you know, you are you are peaking right now in the UFC, coming off just a vicious knockout of Corey Anderson, and uh, we'll hope to catch up with you when something here gets announced in the near future, and best of luck getting what you want. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, there you have it, Gumby. Jimmy Manoa.
Yeah, always love talking to Jimmy Manama. Second time on the show now. Uh, he gave us some good backstage drama, too. I love myself some good backstage <laughs> drama. Yeah, that, that was a good little nugget that was unreported before. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, this is an interesting scenario. Uh, Glover facing Gustafson. That is obviously a key matchup. And then uh, Ozdemir and Misha Serkinov. I, I can't believe I'm using Vulcan Ozdemir in a top light heavyweight discussion here. But, but, but he's so, up there now. He's up the, there. He's, the win over OSP. He's number five. So, you know, you have those two fights taking place. And then you have Manawa, who's kind of the odd man out. He is on a two-fight winning streak. So impressive in those two fights, though. Uh, yeah, it was I, a huge jump for those two fights, too. It, 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 he did come off the loss, but then, like, two really dominant wins. Absolutely. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens. If I was Jones, I would take a warm-up fight just based on how he looked against OSP. Uh, so I'd love to see Manawa get in there against Cormier. But, hey, if not... Uh, you know, he'll, he'll fight someone else or maybe he'll just play the waiting game. Now, that being said, Gumby, I wanted to ask you, it's been a relatively slow news week for the UFC. Not a lot of fights going on here until I believe it's May 13th, uh, at UFC 211, right? Yeah, 211, um, Dallas. So why don't you give us, you are the biggest MMA nerd I know. Uh, you can talk about promotions outside the UFC bubble. I certainly cannot. What's going on outside the UFC bubble, it, man? It, so this is actually a pretty crazy week if you're uh, you're a minor league MMA fan. Uh, you know LFA, which has always been maybe one of the best organizations outside the UFC. They uh, they started their fight night series, Sioux Falls Fight Night One, uh, up in Sioux Falls, uh, South Dakota. I spent a week there one night. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. <laughs> so, uh, and, and it was loaded with UFC talent, like former UFC talent. Dejan Mishad fought Jake Lindsay in the main event on an unfortunate TKO uh, due to knee injury. Um, for, for who? For that's for in the LFA Sioux Falls fight night. No, I know, but who got the TKO? Oh, David Mishad got okay. the the TKO of Jake Lindsay, which is it's kind of upsetting that it ended with a knee injury. But um, overall, a good fight. You also had Daniel Serafian fighting, which is uh, you know former UFC. He got a Unanimous decision, thirty twenty seven. I could have fooled me. He was he was former UFC. He was former UFC one eighty five Brazilian guy. He was on uh, I think season one of Tough Brazil. Maybe okay. season two. Okay. He might have won or finished second. You might you might be able to look that up. Um, and then there were some other good prospects out there too. Really good one twenty five prospects. Sid Bice uh, moved to seven and one. So uh, exciting mm. one there. There was also like a whole bunch of smaller promotions too that had former UFC guys, like big name UFC guys, or at least they used to be big names. Like who? Um, Matt Hamill picked up a TKO knockout over Luis Kane, 38 seconds. Hey, that man has a win over John Jones. He's got the John Jones win and now one over Luis Kane. He got a knockout for uh, Joe Diesel Riggs. I think he won in 30 seconds. Um, so a big knockout for him back in the win column. Uh, and then Ali Bagutinov, mm -hmm. former title challenger, knocked out at the bell in his first fight outside of the UFC by Tyson Nam, Ooh. who has a win over uh, Eduardo Dantas from Bellator, too. Now just racking up the big name wins outside of the major promotions altogether. I want to say it was in uh, Bagutinov's native Russia, too. Is that that all took place at 125? Uh, this one took place at 35, I think. I think Bagutinov went up because Tyson Nam fought... Uh, Dantas at 35 too. So I think he fights just pretty regularly at 35. I'd have to look that up though. Wow. Exciting stuff happens outside the UFC. Don't blink or you'll miss it.
I am David Tremonti. He is Daniel Gumby Vreeland. This was Top Turtle MMA Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We, of course, are available wherever a podcast is being streamed. Tune in Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes. Follow the show at Top Turtle MMA. Uh, you can look for the show on Facebook, Top Turtle MMA. Give us a like, a download, a subscribe. Anything helps. We gosh darn appreciate it. We'll be back next week with another episode right to your face.